Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here to worship with us at the Vista. Always great to see you. Always great to hear you sing and worship. Um, again, just a joy to have, have you with us this morning. We're in the third week of our series, Grateful. We are taking some time this month to just slow down and sort of lean into the Thanksgiving season. Not just kind of rush through it, not hurry through it on our way to Christmas, but to take some time and unpack God's Word a little bit and see what it has to tell us and teach us about gratitude and thankfulness. We launched in a few weeks ago and saw that gratitude and thankfulness has always been a mark of God's people. Old Testament, New Testament, all over the place, a mark of God's people is that they are grateful people. And so we want to be grateful people. We saw that it is gratefulness, it's gratitude that literally fuels our worship. And then last week, we looked at this story where Jesus heals 10 lepers. There's 10 lepers that are healed and only one returns to give thanks to Jesus. And so we spent some time kind of looking at the other nine. What are some reasons why the other nine did not return to give thanks? And maybe we could learn some things from them about ingratitude. Things like, you know, don't, not being in too big of a hurry. Hurry will kill gratitude or thankfulness. Things like not just assuming that people know you're grateful, but actually taking time to tell them that you are grateful. Things like not postponing gratitude for another day, another week, another year. I'll, I'll be thankful one day when, but instead, in the season, in the moment, be grateful. And then we talked a little bit about entitlement. And how, again, entitlement is one of the great enemies of gratitude. You will not be grateful for something that you feel you deserve, that you feel entitled to. It's very hard to be grateful for something you feel entitled to. And so this week, uh, I wanted to look at the thankfulness of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in the Gospel of John chapter 6. You can turn there, um, or we'll throw, the, we'll throw the, the words up on the screen as we always do. You can follow along. I wanted to talk about the gratefulness of Jesus. We are Christians. We bear the name of Christ. Christ is our ultimate example in all things, right? Or at least he should be, right? Christ should be who we pattern our lives after. And have you ever stopped to think about the fact that Jesus, literally God in the flesh, God incarnate, right? He was a thankful person. Jesus was grateful. As you look through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four accounts that we have of the life of Jesus, you're going to see that over and over and over again, Jesus was thankful. Think about that. Jesus was thankful. He was a thankful person. He lived a life of gratitude. In all of the Gospels, we have uh, 24 public prayers that Jesus prayed. 24 public prayers across Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that we have recorded that Jesus prayed. You know, half of those prayers, 12 of them, are prayers of thankfulness and gratitude. Half of them are prayers of gratitude, where Jesus is expressing thanks in that prayer to God. Ten of the 12 are around uh, a meal. They're centered around a mealtime at, at the dinner table, where Jesus is, again, being grateful, being thankful. Jesus lived a life of gratitude. And so I wanted to take some time this morning. We'll be very quick. My gift to you this morning is a short sermon. You're welcome, right? Praise Jesus. Short sermon this morning, but I wanted to just kind of look at um, some things that stood out to me about the thankfulness of Jesus. Jesus lived a grateful, he lived a thankful life. He was thankful in prayer regularly and often. And so what are some things about the gratitude of Jesus that we can then pattern our thankfulness after as well. And so the first one of those, again, John chapter 6. Now, John 6, we're going to look at the story. Um, well, I, we're not even going to read the whole story. 
It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We've talked about the story before. Many of you are really familiar with the story. It's the story where Jesus takes a little boy's lunch and he feeds a whole lot of people with it. We're told 5,000, but the Bible's really clear that it was 5,000 men. So there could have been, you add women and children in there, uh, there could have been 15,000. Some scholars would even say closer to 20. We don't know for sure. There was a whole lot of people. Jesus was at the height of his popularity. People knew that he could heal and they wanted to get a, get a glimpse of his miracles. The Bible says that he taught with unbelievable authority. So people wanted to get close to Jesus just to hear him teach. So he has these crowds of people that are following him. Well, Jesus tries to get alone and be by himself for a little while. He tries to carve out some, some time to just spend in prayer. But the crowds follow him. They follow him. And so Jesus is there with all these people. They have nothing to eat. It's been a long day. And his disciples are like, where are we going to find food for all these people to eat? And you know the story, right? One of Jesus' disciples finds a little boy with a lunch. The little boy had a lunch. He had five loaves and he had two fish. That's not going to feed 20,000 people, right? It's just not. Well, Jesus does the miracle, right? Jesus has everybody sit down. And then look at verse 11, right in the middle of the story, something I've read over and brushed over a lot. In verse 11 of John chapter 6, it says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to, to those who were seated. So right here in this really popular miracle of Jesus, the story of 5,000, 15,000, however many people, it says that Jesus has everyone sit down, and then he takes the loaves, and then he gives thanks. He gives thanks for the bread. And what I found interesting is, you know, a few, a few verses later, John is the author of this gospel. John was a dear friend of Jesus. John was probably the youngest of all the disciples, and he writes this uh, record of the life of Jesus, the gospel of John. And so a few verses later, over in verse 22, John is talking about what happened the day before, and listen to the, how he describes that day, right? Verse 22, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Did you see what just happened there? John, who's recording this for us, he's talking about what happened the day before, but he doesn't say, hey, you remember that place where that amazing miracle took place where Jesus like fed 20,000 people with a little boy's snack pack? You remember that? That was a really cool, do you remember that when that happened the day before? He doesn't say anything about, about that. I don't know if I'm writing, if I'm writing the account, if you're writing the account, aren't we probably going, hey, you remember that really awesome miracle Jesus did yesterday? The place where that miracle happened? But the way John records it, he says, no, the place where Jesus, where, where people ate after Jesus gave thanks. Remember that place where Jesus gave thanks for the bread, right? Listen, my first kind of big thought about the thankfulness, the gratitude of Jesus is that Jesus was thankful for the ordinary things, not just the extraordinary. Jesus was thankful, again, for bread, he was thankful for the bread. He was thankful for, for simple things like meals. I mean, we eat meals, multiple meals a day. The average person has two to four meals every day and probably a lot of snacks in between. Am I right? Like, 
We eat lots of food. We have to have food to sustain us, to survive. It's something we can easily take for granted. Jesus wasn't just thankful for the big, the extraordinary. Jesus was thankful for the small and the simple and the ordinary, the regular parts of our day. Jesus took time to be grateful. He was grateful for the bread, the simple loaves of bread. James 1 verse 17 I'm going to read it for you real quick. Simple verse. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James tells us there are good gifts and there are perfect gifts, right? There's good gifts and there's perfect gifts. Think about the best gift you have ever received. Think about the most perfect gift you have ever received. Chances are you remember it well. Whatever it may have been throughout the years, um, you remember it because in your mind it was a perfect gift. We remember the perfect gifts. But my guess is, like me, you've probably had thousands and thousands of good gifts, and you probably don't even remember all the good gifts. There's good gifts and there's perfect gifts. I said it this way in the first, in the first service. Like, I don't know what you enjoy eating, but listen, um, chicken is a good gift from God, Right? Anybody else like chicken? Chicken fans in here? Chick-fil-A's spicy chicken sandwich. That is a good gift from God, right? Love me some Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich. Very good. However, a perfect gift would be like a well-marbled ribeye cooked the way Jesus intended it, medium rare. I mean, that's a perfect gift, right? Good gift? Perfect gift, right? I mean, there's good gifts and there's perfect gifts. Listen, we talked about entitlement last week, but entitlement begins to creep in when we think that all of the gifts in our life should be perfect gifts rather than just good gifts, right? Entitlement begins to creep in when we think all gifts should be perfect, and then we, we have these unrealistic expectations of our gifts. And so I start to live my life like, well, my spouse should be perfect, My kids should be perfect. My job should be perfect. My house should be perfect. We think all of our gifts should be perfect. We begin to get that entitlement, and we're not thankful for the good gifts. We just focus on everything being perfect. And I think another way to say this is that Jesus wasn't just thankful for the perfect. He was thankful for the good. He wasn't just thankful for the big things. He was thankful for the small things. He wasn't just grateful for the extraordinary. He was grateful for the ordinary the ordinary things. We need to be grateful for the good, grateful for the ordinary, grateful for even the small blessings that God gives. That was the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus. Well, there's something else I noticed about the thankfulness of Jesus. Flip over with me, if you would, to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. It's a little bit to the left. Luke, chapter 22. So this is the, uh, the night... Uh, before Jesus will go to the cross and give up his life on a cross. So literally, in hours from the text we're about to read, Jesus will be betrayed by one of his very closest friends. He will then go through a series of false trials where he will be falsely accused of a number of different things. He will be beaten mercilessly. He will then carry his own cross up a hill where they will nail spikes into his feet and his hands, and he will suffer and he will die for the sins of all the world. Jesus is literally about to go through all of this, and every indication in the Gospels is that Jesus knows it, okay? So this wasn't something that he was like, 
what? I didn't know this was going to happen. No, Jesus knew why he came. He knew, uh, he knew what was just around the corner, okay? He knew what was just around the corner. So what we have in Luke 22 is Jesus having a last meal with his disciples right before all this stuff takes place. Right before all this takes place. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, here's how it reads. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and his apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Again, he knows what's coming. For I tell you, I will not eat it until, the, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus knows what's happening later that night and tomorrow. He knows. In fact, we're told that when he goes to the garden and he prays, he is under extreme anguish. Because he knows what's coming. And yet, literally hours before all of this takes place, we find Jesus being grateful. We find him being thankful again. Find him being thankful. Here's the thing. Jesus was thankful during difficult seasons, not just the pleasant ones. Jesus was thankful during difficult seasons, not just the pleasant ones. He knows what's coming, and yet we find him literally hours before this takes place, again, being grateful. I don't know about you, but it's, it's much easier to be grateful during those pleasant seasons, isn't it? Uh, my wife, we live out in the country, and we have this, um, we have a big front porch. We love our front porch. We have a porch swing on the front porch, and we'll sit on the front porch and drink coffee, and it's just, it's pleasant. It's just pleasant, right? It's just, we can sit out there, we can have a cup of coffee, and I find it very easy on those front porch kind of mornings when I'm not worried or stressed about anything, and it's a really good season, a pleasant season of life to just sit there, and it's just easy to be grateful. It's easy to look out and just be thankful for, for everything, really. Maybe you have, again, a, a place or a time or a season where for you, it's just gratitude becomes easier for you, but what we learn from Jesus is, you know, that he was grateful all the time, in all seasons, difficult seasons as well. It's harder. It's much harder to be grateful during those difficult seasons. We looked at this verse uh, during the first week, but 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, the apostle Paul writes, and he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul tells the church, man, be grateful in all seasons. That's what I see from the life of Jesus, the gratitude of Jesus. He wasn't just grateful when it was a pleasant season, when ministry was going well, when people were shouting Hosanna and and, and really, you know, things were great. Jesus was even grateful when he knew just just around the bend, in a matter of hours, he was going to suffer and die. We still find Jesus being grateful. There's one other kind of thing that stood out to me about the gratefulness of Jesus I want to look at really quick. Over in John, the Gospel of John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Another really popular story where Jesus performs an unbelievable miracle. His dear friend, a man named Lazarus, has died. Jesus was really close with Lazarus. 
uh, Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. He spent time in their home. He had meals with them. Uh, They were just dear friends. Well, Jesus was kind of off doing ministry, and he got word that Lazarus was really sick, that he was sick to the point of death. In other words, they're trying to get Jesus to hurry to Lazarus' bedside so that he can heal him so that Lazarus won't die. Now, you would think if Jesus, who has this unbelievable healing power, heard that his dear friend was sick to the point of death, he might drop what he's doing and rush down to Lazarus so that he could heal him. That's not what Jesus does, right? In fact, Jesus delays. Jesus takes his time. Jesus just continues what he's doing. He kind of, it kind of reads like he kind of blows them off a little bit. And we're going to pick up in verse 38, but right before that in 37, we're, we're sort of led to believe that there's a little bit of questioning of Jesus. I mean, it seems like he could have prevented Lazarus from dying. Lazarus dies. He dies and they, they have his funeral and they put him in a tomb. He's not just kind of dead. He's not just unconscious. He's been dead for days. He's really, 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 really dead. And then Jesus goes down to the town. And here's, again, the way that it reads. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. You got to love, like, they're begging Jesus to do something. They're begging him to show up. They're begging. He's there because they think on some level he can fix this. Jesus is like, all right, roll that stone away. And Martha's like, it's going to smell really bad. (laughs) Like, she's, she's worried about the odor all of a sudden. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen stripe, uh, strips his, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus raises Lazarus from the grave. Amazing story, right? It's an amazing story. Lazarus, get up. Here he comes walking out like a mummy. He's like, unwrap the guy. He's alive. I mean, it's just, I've read this story. I've preached on this story. I love this story, man. Jesus just... He just shows up in might and in power. God does this amazing work, right? Did you notice that right in the middle of the story, Jesus is thankful? Right in the middle of the story. Now, we started in John chapter 6. Do you remember when Jesus was thankful in that story? He had everybody sit down, and then he was thankful, and then their miracle happened. In John 11, he shows up, he's thankful. And then the miracle happens. Listen, Jesus was thankful before the miracle, not just after. I know in my life, the times I tend to be most grateful are after God shows up, after God does something, after God moves, after God sort of reveals himself or or in some big way. After the miracle is when we most often tend to be grateful. 
But learning from the gratitude of Jesus, Jesus was thankful before the miracle, not just after. Jesus wasn't just thankful for what God had done. He was thankful for what God was going to do. How often are we thankful for what God's going to do? Thankful maybe before God shows up. Jesus had a well-rounded life of gratitude. It's just, again, it's unbelievable to me that Jesus, God in the flesh, lived a grateful life. He was a grateful person. And he had this well-rounded life of gratitude. He was thankful for the past. He was thankful for what God had done and what God had given. He was thankful for the present. He was thankful for what God was doing. He was also thankful for the future, for what God was going to do. So when I look at the life of Jesus and the gratitude of Jesus, and I think, listen, we are people that are to be followers of Jesus and pattern our lives after Jesus. I'm kind of reminded that, man, I need to make sure I'm, I'm thankful for the past, the present, and the future. That I want my gratitude to be like that of Jesus. That I'm thankful in all seasons, in all circumstances. Not just in those pleasant ones, right? There's so much that we can learn from the life of Jesus. And again, Jesus was this unbelievably grateful person. And there's those things just kind of jump out. They jump off the page to me. I've never really caught them before. But the idea that, that we're not just thankful for the, for the extraordinary, we're thankful for the simple and the ordinary. We're not just thankful in the pleasant seasons. We're thankful in the difficult seasons as well. We're not just thankful, you know, for what God has done. We're thankful for what God will do because we trust and we believe in a big God. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, um, God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you um, for his sacrifice for us. We thank you, God, for his life who just shows us uh, so much about the way we should live. And I pray, Father, that we would indeed pattern our lives after the life of Jesus. And God, that means that we are grateful people because Jesus was a grateful person. Jesus showed us how to live a life of gratitude. So, Father, I pray that we, in turn, would live lives of gratitude, would live lives of gratefulness. God, that we wouldn't focus on every gift being perfect, but, God, we would focus, God, on the simple, on the good gifts that you give every day. God, would you help us to be grateful people because that is a mark of, your, of those that follow you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.